Well, it is an honor to be here this weekend celebrating with you all, home team. Come on. Yeah, this is so fun. Wow, we had Pastor Lindsay Freetag last night, Pastor Lulu this morning. I was tempted to just roll video. Like, yo, they were so good. Like, let's just roll video for the next service. But nah, it's, it's all good. I, I'm here. We're going to do it. Uh, I know, I think it was mentioned in the earlier service that 20 of our 26 speakers are women. They're ladies. So just God is doing something with the ladies in the church. I'm here to represent the men. So I got, I got one shot. I got to do it well. I got to be good. So it's just one of me. We got three ladies. It's going to be good. But uh, again, just want to say how honored it is to be here. I want to say uh, a special honor to our lead pastors, Rob and Becca, who I do also get to call the privilege of mom and dad, that they would trust us to have this weekend and share this stage and this pulpit with them. So can we uh, clap for them and honor them as we just love them and all that they do? We are truly led by them. We are under their leadership. And so we just uh, love and honor everything they do. And also Pastor Kirk and Kaylee, uh, they lead this campus. And again, thanks for Pastor Kirk to say, all right, we're gonna give the young guns a shot. So here we are. Uh, it's a great time. We're going to love it. But we are continuing our series on kingdom culture. And this is week three. As we look at what uh, are the qualities that take from believer to disciple, today we're going to be talking about having the heart of a servant. And so I want to kick us off with a scripture here. It's in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. It's going to kind of set up uh, the whole talk that we're about to do today. And then we'll be diving into a few different ways that we can serve, uh, serving God, serving the people around us, that sort of thing. But Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says this, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, today, as we're looking at this idea of, of servants or having the heart of a servant, Jesus paints it pretty clear. Hey, if you wanna be great, you need to be a servant. If you want to be somebody that's known or if you want to have notoriety in the kingdom of God, you need to be somebody who's lowly and somebody who would serve. Jesus Christ even said to himself, I didn't come here to be served, right? God could have come in the flesh and been like, all right, I'm here, y'all. Like, let's take care of me, all right? Like, I kind of created the whole earth and stuff. So let's, no, he didn't. He said, I want to serve you. I want to serve alongside of you. So uh, again, wherever you're at, maybe this comes easy to you. Maybe you're somebody who loves to serve or loves to help. Maybe this might be something that's a little outside of your comfort zone. I would just say, be open to what God wants to say to you today. And uh, I want to share quick a story about my own life of serving. Uh, I, I served one, once, okay, once in the Go Kids area, okay? <laughs> Praise God. Let's give it up for all the Go Kids workers. We love them. They're amazing. But I served, I mean, I did when I was like in middle school, but when I became an adult, I served one time, okay? And I'm gonna tell you why, because this story, seriously, it was, um, I was served, they asked me to serve, they were pretty desperate, you know, I was pretty low on the totem pole as far as asking, so they're like, we need you. I'm like, do you need me? They're like, we do. And I'm like, okay, we'll do it. So we did it. It was a group of second grade boys, all right? Oh, you already know, like they are, 
rowdy, man, those second grade boys. So I was, I was leading those second graders and I had this kid who he was, he was genuine. He was leaning in. He was like, right at the beginning of class, he was like, hey, uh, I've never prayed before. I was like, oh, this is so special. Like, man, we're going to talk about prayer today. Like, this is super fun. So we're kind of going through the lesson and he's kind of not really paying attention. They're all starting to get a little, you know, rambunctious and poking each other and running around. And so by the end of the day, uh, he looks at me with this indignant look, right? You know this look. He looks at me and he goes, I'm bored, (laughs) right? Like it was my fault. Like he knew, he was like, I'm bored and it is your fault, leader person. And here's the, here's the thing, like true confession, right? Confession's good for the soul. Here we go. So I looked back at him and I said, hey, you know what? Maybe if you were paying attention a little bit more, you would know how to pray and you wouldn't be bored. Yikes. <laughs> Let me tell you, he was behaved for the rest of the class after that. He was looking straight at me, but I, I felt a little convicted and pastor came up and he was like, hey, how did it go? I said, you know what? Go kids might not be for me, all right? I don't think this is my calling, but again, we praise God for everybody, wherever your gifts are. We're going to talk about that just a little bit, but again, just, just uh, knowing that we all have gifts, we all have talents, and we all also maybe have things that we're not uh, good at. And so just recognizing that as well. Uh, again, I love our Go Kids pastors, our Go Kids team, but um, you know, that truly desperate is when they ask me to help lead a Go Kids group. So uh, we're going we're gonna to jump in here. We're going to look at just a few different places where we serve. And the first one we want to talk about is uh, serving the Lord. And uh, we serve the Lord through obedience. So this is really big. When we serve God, we serve him through obedience. And there's a verse uh, in 1 Samuel. It talks about how obedience is better than sacrifice. Right? Sometimes we think about, oh, well, I'm sacrificing, I'm giving a lot, or I'm doing this. But God actually says at first, what I want you to lean into first is obedience. And in 1 Samuel uh, 15, 22, Samuel says exactly that. He says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And this is a moment where Saul uh, did something out of order, right? He, he actually didn't obey God and he was the one who actually did the sacrifice. And Samuel rolls up and says, hey, you did this out of order. God wants you to obey him versus starting with sacrifice. And we wanna look at that in the ways that we serve God, we have commands that he gives us and we have convictions that he also gives to us, but those are more individual. So commands are broad, they're general for us all to follow and convictions are oftentimes placed maybe on individuals or on groups. And we have to follow after the commands that God gives to us. Right? Those are not, we can't, those aren't skip over. Those aren't, you know, the rules don't apply. These are things that God commands us to do. These are ways that we can be obedient in serving Him. And uh, I mean, you can think about uh, the, the general things, but oftentimes those can be the ones that we might skip over or forget, right? It, it, don't lie. Don't. Uh, commit adultery, don't steal, don't uh, be unethical in your workplace, right? There's so many things, these things that Jesus is telling us to do. Hey, uh, don't judge other people, right? Take care of yourself first before you judge others, right? In the measure you give, it's gonna be given back to you. And so there's all these commands that God gives to us. And oftentimes, you know, you and I, we have the, the ability to forget 
or just outright neglect doing the commands that God has given us. And sometimes it's really easy to just default to the sacrifices or to the things that might be a little more difficult where you're like, yeah, you know, here's an example. You say, well, I love listening to podcasts in the car. I'm listening to podcasts and preachers. That's amazing. But I'm not spending time in God's word, right? God says, I want you to abide in me. I want you to spend time reading my word and oftentimes we're like, oh yeah, that's good. But, but what about this guy's sermon, right? Or this person? And I'm not saying that that's bad by any means. But oftentimes we might start with that and forget the commands that God is giving us. We might also look in and say, hey, you know what? I love giving to missionaries. We just had a missionary here last week. I love giving to missionaries, but I don't lead with the tithe. I don't start with that obedience, Right, we got three people in this Pentecostal church today, all right? Is anybody, or it's all good. I know sometimes we're like, this is a, this is a really happy Lutheran church right here. We're doing it. Come on, we're, we're excited to be here today. Oh, that's it. That's the only one I'm gonna do though, okay? After that, then it's 11 o'clock. You've had your coffee, you slept in, like we're leaning in. I'm not the only one who's a little too hyped up right now. It's all good. But think about that. You might look in your own life about how I'm, I'm obeying these sacrifices or doing these things maybe that God hasn't even told me to do. And yet I'm neglecting the commands or the basic, the things that God is asking me to do, right? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. That's a command for us. And oftentimes we might have to be pushed to serve or we might have to be prodded to serve or something. If that's, a, that's a command that Jesus has given us. Hey, I want you to serve. I want you to use your gifts and serving should be a blessing, not a burden, right? And when you look at that, our church, I hope that you see people who are serving out of an area of blessing and not burden, right? We have people at the front doors that are excited, that have had their coffee already and they're pumped to see you, right? We have the Go Kids workers that are way better than me in there, okay? Like they are loving your kids and they, are, they have immense patience where mine is, is a little thinner than that. So, right, we have people who are serving in their areas of passion, and we want you to serve in your areas of passion, that serving should come out of a place of blessing and not a place of burden. If serving is burdening you, then you're doing it wrong, okay? And if we have placed that on you as a church, then we are doing it wrong, okay? Because we should not place anything on you that is a burden, that is weighing you down. This should be something that is a joy, that is exciting, that brings you life. And what's so awesome is that every one of you has gifts, right? Every one of you. You might think, no, you know, you're, you're the pastor, you've got gifts, or those people have gifts, or my spouse, or my everybody else, but not me, right? It's always, no, no, like, I don't, there's no way that God wants to use me. And that's absolutely untrue. God wants to use each and every one of you. And what's so great is we as a church have developed a tool for you to find your gifts and find those areas of passion and how you can get plugged into the life of the church here. So uh, there's a website that's gonna pop up, lifeteams.rivervalley.org, right there. You can take a picture of it. You can write it down. You can do it after church or whatever. You can take a spiritual gifts test designed by our church 
Find out your gifts and talents and then plugging into different ministries here all around at any one of our campuses, in small groups, serving locally, anything like that. So if you're wondering, maybe you came in today and you're like, yeah, that's not me. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't have any gifts. You do have gifts and God wants you to use those in our church. So we need you to take that test, you can talk to any one of our pastors, any one of our leaders or, or, or life team or life group coaches. We would love to sit down with you and talk about what are the ways that you can serve here in the church using your gifts and talents. So again, we serve the Lord through obedience. Uh, another way that we serve is we serve those we love, right? We serve those we love. We serve the people closest to us. And sometimes... For being honest, the people that are closest to us are actually some of the hardest people to serve, right? It's, it's easy to think about those out there or think about those in the community or the people that we might meet oh, every once in a while, but serving those closest to us actually is something that's really important in our life, especially in the life of a disciple, is serving those closest to us. And we serve those we love through hum humility, right? We serve those we love through humility. And uh, I want to read a couple verses in Ephesians uh, talking about uh, people that are close to us. Ephesians chapter 5, we've got verses 22, 25, and 28, kind of uh, spliced it up a little bit, got the best parts of it. But it says, first of all, in, in uh, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Next, it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I know we've heard this verse a lot. Uh, perhaps it can be taken out of context in negative ways, but I want to share some. It might be mind-blowing for you. It was when I heard it for the first time. We have to remember the context in which this was written right? Paul is writing this to the early church and he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And everybody in church nods. They go, yep, submit to your husbands. Because that was very culturally fitting in their day, right? That was just how it was. And the next one, when he says, husbands, love your wives, all of a sudden the head snap, right? Boom. What? Husband, love your wives? And it says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, right? This was counter-cultural back in the day when Paul said this, okay? Now, today, it almost seems like it's the reverse, where we're like, husbands, love your wives. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, uh, submit to your husbands, right? Wives, submit. And we, no, that's not what we're talking about here. The main point that Paul wants to emphasize is husbands, love your wives, right? If you take care of your wife, you're, it's like taking care of yourself. If, if you were treating yourself the same way you were treating your wife, would you like the way that it was going, right? That's what Paul's trying to say in this verse. So Christians were actually countercultural when they would see a husband loving their wife in that day, they would say, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up with you? That's different. And they would say, you know what? I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And this is what he has called us to do. As I serve my wife, I'm actually serving Christ, right? And wives do the same to their husbands. But again, when I first heard that, uh, that it just blew my mind where it's like, wow, that is, that's the aha moment in that verse, right? We need to love, uh, husbands need to leave, love their wives like their own bodies. Again, there's another uh, verse in Ephesians 6, uh, verses one through three. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. 
honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So what's really crazy about loving those uh, we, or serving those we love, right, the people closest to us, is that our lives are on display by how we treat the people closest around us, Right? I mean, you can, you can put on a happy face on the outside and there's only so long to when what happens in the family starts to leak out, right? And it can be positive or it can be negative, right? But oftentimes we are, are judged or we can be seen through the lens of how we treat the people closest around us. And your witness could be hindered because of how you treat those closest to you. Right? People can look to you and say, yeah, I know that he's a Christian, but man, the, the way he interacts with his family, just that doesn't add up. Or yeah, I know that she's a, she's a Christ follower, but every time we're alone, she always cuts down her husband or her kids or the, her, the people closest to her. Or maybe the kids, right? They, they, you, you act up or you know, you're not honoring to your parents and you might be trying to bring your friends to church and they're like, hey, you know what? I, I think you're a great person and you love Jesus, but the way you talk to your mom in that moment, that was, that was kind of offensive. You know, that was kind of harsh. And so we got to just watch out for the way that we treat the people closest around us. Now, uh, a preface is that it's not about how they treat us, okay? We cannot control other people. We can't control how they respond to us, but you can take care of yourself, right? You can choose today that I want to serve the people closest around me the best way that I can. And it doesn't matter how they respond. It doesn't matter how they uh, react, but I'm going to choose to lead with love to those closest to me. And I want them to, to, you can change the, the nature of your relationship with your spouse. You can change the nature of the relationship with your kids or with your parents by how you choose to act, right? Sometimes we get in this stalemate where it's like, well, I'll honor them when they're honorable. And they'll say, well, I'll love them when they love me back or I'll serve them when they serve me. No, it's just gonna be a perpetual stalemate that you have with that person, right? So this is calling us to say, hey, let's lean in. Let's be the first to, to serve. Let's be the first to love those closest to us. Um, and this is really important too. We need to love them how they want to be loved, okay? Right? I, how many of you have ever heard of the five love languages? You've, ta you've taken the test. You've read the book. Yeah, some people. If you haven't, I would recommend it. It's pretty eye-opening. Um, for me, I'll just tell you my top two. Uh, I'll tell you all five, and then I'll tell you my top two. So there's um, physical touch, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, and gifts, okay? And for me, I am words of affirmation and gifts, okay? That's all I need. If you write me a card and there's a gift card in there, you're my best friend. So congrats, like, <laughs> let's go. We're going, this, this is awesome. Like, you're my best friend, amazing. Like, my parents did that when they, they would uh, travel. Sometimes we lived at home. They would write an encouraging note and leave money on the table. I was like, booyah, mom and dad can leave whenever they want to leave, all right? We're going out to dinner every night this week, so. But that's just for me, all right? So I love words of affirmation. I love gifts. And that's how I lean, right? I love to encourage people and I love to spend money on people. But oftentimes I find that the people closest to me don't respond in that same way. For them, words of affirmation are nice, right? Maybe a gift card or a gift, a thoughtful gift is great, but maybe that's not the best way that I can serve that person, right? Maybe that, so as we said in the beginning, we serve those we love through humility, 
right? We have to be humble enough to acknowledge that the way that I give and receive love might not be the same way that that other person does too, right? And so I need to humble myself and ask the question, right? It could be simple as asking your spouse or asking your uh, mom or dad or a son or a daughter or somebody close to you and just asking them, how can I best serve you? And then do it, right? Like just do that. If they love just spending time together, you, you can get off the hook, husbands. Like, great, I don't have to spend all this money on presents and gifts. No, you still need to, okay? I, I, that was a test. I almost got you. All the women, they were looking at me kind of funny. And I was like, no, no, it's all good. We're still remembering the gifts, but... Maybe it's just not as important, right? Maybe somebody in your family says, you know what? When you do small acts of service, when you clean the dishes or when you get the car cleaned or do something like that, that really shows me that you're serving me and that you love me. And so we serve those closest to us through humility. And another way is we serve the least. We serve the least of these, serve those around us. And we serve the least of these through compassion. Right? We serve the least of these through compassion. There's a verse uh, uh, in Matthew 25. It's 34 through 40, so it's, it's a little bit longer, but I want to read it. It's super, super important. This is how we serve the least of these. So it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will rep reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me, right? God is saying there are people around us that are hungry, that are thirsty, that need clothes, that need help, that need to be visited in hospitals or in prison. And when we do that, when we serve the least of these, it's like we're doing it for God. And oftentimes this can be difficult because you might think to yourself, yeah, but, but nobody's going to know that I did it. I'm not going to be remembered for what I did. Or maybe I won't be rewarded for my acts to the least. But I'll tell you this, there's a God in heaven who knows what you've done. He's gonna remember and write it down and he's gonna reward you based on the things that you've done for the least of these. The people in our communities that might be rejects or outcasts or the people at work that nobody wants to talk to, the people in your neighborhood that might've moved here from another country or another city or another place. These are the people that God is saying, go out, go and serve them. And we serve them through compassion. And we can serve locally. We have tons, dozens of partners here at the church. Uh, and we have this super easy access for you to do. There's one more link I want to send you to. It's leaders.rivervalley.org slash organizations. We have dozens of organizations. We have Ronald McDonald House, Union Gospel Mission, Inner City Church of Minneapolis, Feed My Starving Children. Take your pick. We have people in our communities, in our cities that need the church to be mobilized that's going to act through compassion. And I want to make one distinction quickly about the difference between compassion versus empathy, right? Compassion is an action and empathy is a feeling, 
right? Compassion does, empathy sees, right? Empathy says, I'm really sorry about that. Compassion says, what can I do to help? Empathy says, I know what you're going through. Compassion says, I'll walk through it with you. Empathy is inward. It's often reflective. We feel, but compassion is outward. It's something we do. And I'm not saying that empathy is bad. Absolutely not. We do have to start with empathy, but if it remains empathy, then it will just be inward. It will never be outward. We need less people who feel bad and more people who do good in our churches, right? We need less people who feel bad and more people who do good. When you see a need, you don't say, I feel so bad for that person or I'm sorry. No, you actually go out and step out and do something about it. When there's a single mom, a young single mom that has nowhere to live, you say, we're gonna have our basement suite and we're gonna let her stay in our place. When you see people downtown Minneapolis that have nowhere to go, maybe they're looking uh, confused. You say, you know what? I have, a, I, I have a couple hours. I can have a conversation with this person. Maybe there's somebody in your work that again, they move from another country and they don't know how to get around you. You say, I'm gonna take the time to build a relationship with someone who doesn't look like me or doesn't think like me or doesn't act like me. That's what compassion looks like. And Jesus didn't die for an empathetic church. He died for a compassionate church, right? He wants us to actually get out and move and do things. And maybe you're in this place. Maybe you've never even known who this God is. Maybe you're new. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you're coming back after a long walk away from God. And you're saying, maybe I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to have a servant's heart, but I want the servant, I want him to be inside of my heart, right? Our God is a compassionate God. If he was an empathetic God, he would have said, I'm really sorry about your sins and I really wish that I could do something. But compassion looks like one man, three nails on a cross that said, I'm gonna die for you. I'm gonna die for your sins. I'm gonna die for every single person on this planet because it's not good enough to feel bad. I have to do something about it. And Jesus came on this earth, he put flesh on and he said, I love you so much that I wanna do something to save your life. So all across this place, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes, we're gonna give an opportunity for people to come to Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you're coming home. Maybe you're saying, you know what? Uh, I have been running away from God. I have not been close to him. I've been doing everything the opposite of what he's been telling me to do. And today is the day where you can come back into relationship with him. So all across this place, you already know it too. Your heart's beating. The Holy Spirit is working on you ever since you got here saying, today's the day you're coming home. When I count to three all across this place, if you would just lift up your hand, that way I can acknowledge you and we'll pray a prayer in just a minute together. But one, Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Two, when you make this decision, you're a brand new creation. It doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Jesus is gonna wipe away your sins and you are gonna be a brand new creation three. All across this place, raise your hands. We'll acknowledge you in this place. Yes, yes. Amazing, amazing. Yep. Hands going up everywhere, everywhere. That's awesome. Keep your hands up, Jesus. Yes, he's working. Yes, yes. A whole row over there. Yes, we love it. Yes, God. He is moving in our hearts today. If there's anyone else, if there's anyone else, maybe you're saying, you know what? I want you to acknowledge me. I want to be right with God. Just raise your hand. Amazing. You can put your hands down all across this place. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and we're all gonna pray this together so nobody prays alone here. So if you would just repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, 
I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Give me a new heart. Help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my savior. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, can we clap and stand for all those people that just made a decision? It says that when even just one turns that all of heaven rejoices. So come on, let's clap, let's celebrate with all those people. Amazing. Wow. I'm gonna invite the prayer teams up at this time and we have a resource for you. Pastor Greg's gonna give this to me, thank you so much. We have this resource, it's called Now What? It's just a book, it's a Bible and a little journal that you can get. Uh, it's gonna help you in your journey as you say, okay, now that I've made a decision to follow Jesus, now what do I do? And so this is gonna help you. You can get it at the prayer teams up here or at the Info and Resource Center. But thank you so much for being here in church this weekend. Tomorrow night, if you wanna come back, Pastor Tasana is ending our series. It's gonna be a great time. Hey, thanks again for being here. Have a great week serving the Lord.